Good evening and welcome to the Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for being here with me. Coming up in today's broadcast of the Catholic View, we take a look at the six works of mercy, and that is visiting the imprisoned. But before that, Mahadi Butelezi brings us up to date with some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond today. Listen to Radio Veritas, 5.76 a.m. for a change. Bringing you your news headlines from Africa and beyond. Pope on audience distinguished between the sin and the sinner. Somalia on track to hold first democratic elections in 47 years. And St. Peter's Cricket Club to play royal team marking Queen's 90th birthday. Good evening. In his continuing catechesis for this holy year of mercy during his weekly general audience, Pope Francis drew inspiration from the gospel episode of Jesus' dinner at the home of Simon the Pharisee. Lydia O'Kane reports. Drawing inspiration from the gospel episode of Jesus' dinner at the home of Simon the Pharisee. He said, all of us are sinners. So many times we fall into the temptation of hypocrisy, believing that we are better than the other, But he continued, look at your sin. All of us need to look at our sins, our mistakes, and look to the Lord, because he added, this is the lifeline, the relationship between the sinner and the Lord. The Pope was referring to the story from St. Luke, in which a woman known as the sinner comes up to Jesus and bathes his feet in her tears and anoints them with her precious perfume. But the Pharisee judges the woman by appearances. However, Jesus, underlined the Holy Father, distinguishes between the sin and the sinner. Ma la parola di Dio ci insegna a distinguere tra il peccato e il peccatore. The Lord, continued Pope Francis, teaches Simon that the woman's act as an expression of faith and trust in God's mercy has merited the forgiveness of her sins. The Pope told the faithful gathered, It is a lesson for us all that God's mercy reaches out to everyone. It overcomes prejudice and surmounts all barriers. He added that through faith in Christ, we too have received the forgiveness of our sins and the new life of grace. I'm Lydia O'Kane. Billions of lives depend on the social compact enshrined in a 15-year action plan to finance global development, and the world must follow through on it, the UN Secretary-General has urged. The plan, named after the Ethiopian capital of Addis Ababa, was adopted last July during a UN conference on financing for development in the African country. The social compact aims at getting countries to commit to providing basic social services such as free health care, education and income. Jocelyn Samira has more. 
The Addis Action Agenda not only commits to delivering social protection and essential public services for all, but also vows to end poverty in all its forms everywhere by adopting the social compact. If implemented, the UN says, this could lead to a historic step forward by putting people, not governments, at the center of international development efforts. However, the document does not give specifics on financing strategies. Speaking at a high-level meeting on financing for the UN's new global development goals, Ban Ki-moon urged delegates to make smart investments in people and the planet. More than 2.4 billion people still lack clean water and sanitation. 57 million of the world's children are not enrolled in school. And more than half of the world's population lacks any social security coverage. We must follow through on the new social compact enshrined in the Addis Ababa agenda to provide the social protection and essential public services for billions of lives depend on it. The Addis Agenda, together with the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, are triumphs of multilateralism and are historic agreements to eradicate poverty, said Ban. Ethiopia has declared two days of national mourning for 208 people killed in cross-border cattle raids, during which the government says more than 100 children were also kidnapped. Parliament said in a statement carried by state media that flags would be flown at half-mast across the country and in its foreign missions from Wednesday. The raids last week happened in three districts of Gambela in the country's west when attackers from neighboring South Sudan crossed into Ethiopia. Gambela straddles the borders of the two nations and is home to more than 280,000 South Sudanese refugees fleeing a civil war that has raged for more than two years, forcing at least one million people from their homes. According to the UN Refugee Agency, life-saving services for refugees from South Sudan are under threat because of an increase in the number of people fleeing the country. The agency said that all of the countries neighboring South Sudan have reported a rise in the number of South Sudanese refugees since the beginning of the year. Here is UN spokesperson Stephanie Juderick. For example, an estimated 52,000 South Sudanese have fled into Sudan since last January, exceeding the planning projections for 2016. And Uganda has also seen a sharp increase in refugee arrival from South Sudan since January, sometimes as many as 800 individuals per day. UNHCR says it's extremely worried because of the regional response plan is only funded for 8% and many life-saving services are threatened. UNHCR says it is extremely worried because the regional response plan funded is just 8% and many life-saving services are threatened. Somalia remains on track to undergo its first democratic electoral process in 47 years in what has been described as a decisive year for the Horn of Africa country. This is according to Somalia's President Hassan Sheikh Mohamud briefing the UN Security Council on Tuesday. He described the elections which are due to take place by August as historic, although elections based on universal suffrage are not due until 2020. 
Matthew Wells reports. Until 2012, Somalia had been in a state of near-constant civil conflict following the collapse of its central government in 1991. But the last four years have seen a major transformation of the country's government and institutions, said President Mahmoud. 2016 will be a decisive year for Somalia. Last week, we successfully agreed the implementation roadmap for 2016 electoral process. This means we are on the track to undergo the historic first democratic electoral process in 47 years in Somalia. He thanked the Security Council and the international community at large for supporting Somalia's resurgence through the UN Mission and Support Office and the African Union Mission in Somalia, AMISOM. He added that although a strict arms embargo had been essential in the past for helping stem the flow of arms to terrorist groups like al-Shabaab, It was now standing in the way of national security. Although partially lifted, it needed to go, he said. This will enhance our national capability to confront and defeat international terrorism at home and provide the best protection for our citizens. These instruments are outdated and restrictive at the best and misleading and undermining at the worst. Giving the overview from a UN perspective, Special Representative for the country, Michael Keating, said that the broad momentum towards a fully functioning federal government was creating historic opportunities. But huge challenges remained, he added, not least the onset of a major drought. There could be no repeat of the 260,000 lives lost to drought in 2011, he said, and humanitarian aid and support was essential. The challenges faced by Somalis are formidable. The progress is real, but reversible. The state formation and electoral processes remain vulnerable to spoilers. Amazon needs more support and cannot stay forever. So we must do our best to make sure that progress is not reversed. To build national capacity of the Somalis to take over from Amazon and to generate the jobs and revenues needed for a sustainable state. Our and my efforts to do this depend in large part upon the unity of this council. Speaking on behalf of the African Union and AMISOM, its permanent observer, Tet Antonio, said that it was critical the Council renewed the mission's mandate next month. He said the 22,000-strong force was the minimum needed to bolster government forces in the fight against al-Shabaab. Extra resources had been agreed this year, which would help to bolster the historic electoral process. This will ensure that al-Shabaab does not succeed in its attempt to disrupt upcoming elections in Somalia and will make it's possible for them to take place in an enabling, safe and secure environment. In a major electoral reform milestone, political leaders in Somalia also agreed to set aside 30% of seats in the new federal system for women. Compared to elections four years ago, the electorate itself will be 100 times larger, offering a genuine choice of candidates, said Michael Keating. And finally, as Britain's Queen Elizabeth turns 90 years old, the Royal Household of Windsor cricket team is arriving in Rome on Thursday for an encounter with the Vatican XI St. Peter's Cricket Club, sponsored by the Pontifical Council for Culture. During their visit to Rome, the Royal Household team will visit St. Peter's Basilica on Friday morning, followed by a tour of the Vatican Museums. Solemn Vespers for both teams will be held at the International Pontifical College, Mata Ecclesia, at 7 p.m. with prayers offered for Queen Elizabeth, who will be marking her 90th birthday on Thursday. British Ambassador to the Holy See, Nigel Baker, will be attending both Vespers and a dinner, during which a gift for Her Majesty the Queen will be presented by St. Peter's cricket team.
And these have been your news from Africa and beyond. Have yourselves a very good evening. And my thanks goes there to Mahadi Butelezi for bringing us up to time with some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond. This is still the Catholic View coming to you on Radio Veritas 576 AM, otherwise on 870 DSTV Audio Bouquet. My name is Shayla and I thank you for being here with me. Coming up next, we're taking a look at the six works of mercy, simply entitled Visiting the Prisoners. During the Jubilee Year of Mercy, Pope Francis has encouraged each and every one of us to do works of mercy. Corporal works of mercy are found in the teachings of Jesus and gives us a model for how we should treat all others as if they were Christ in disguise. They are charitable actions by which we help our neighbors in their bodily needs. They respond to the basic needs of humanity as we journey together through this life. Today we take a look at the six corporal works of mercy, and that is to visit the prisoners. In 2012, Krista Bonnet founded the Difference Makers, a non-profit organization focusing on social and economic innovation as well as nation-building projects and the development of an integrated woman empowerment model for suppliers and community. Together with a group of volunteers, Krista Bonnet not only visit prisoners at the Boxburg prison, but also offer rehabilitation and reintegration programs. I spoke to Krista Bonnet earlier today. Let's listen. Um, we're working very closely with DCS Boxburg. Um, that's the Bos- Boxburg uh, prison. And um, what we are, we're working absolute interface um, with the community there. And we, we don't have funding, so only work with volunteers. So we have three focuses at this stage. And if I say we, we have an, it's a non-profit called the Difference Makers, which has, um, is working closely with another pro- a non-profit in prison called the MAD Generation, which stands for the Making a Difference Generation. How this group of prisoners came about they heard about two, uh, two, two and a half years ago when I wrote that it doesn't matter what you've done on a physical level, but on a soul level, you always can choose to make a difference. So they started this non-profit in prison to, instead of new uh, incomers coming in, to only give them a choice to get again 26 or 28, which is also linked to drug and substance abuse, to give them a membership to a third game called the Game of Hope. You said you work a lot with volunteers uh, from the community around the area. Talk to us about the experience. What's the experience like for these volunteers working with uh, the prisoners of Berksburg Prison? Well, interesting. Um, the first time we, we normally invite them as guests because prison has a very um, strange reaction, which is different from uh, one person to another which triggers things that um, you either have suppressed or um, you have had certain judgments um, about. 
So we have three focuses in prison at this stage, and then I'll come to the volunteers. We have um, a 12-month event program. Then we have very specific projects, and I'll mention that to you now. And then we have self-leadership or um, capacitation projects. So on projects, we focus at this stage on the elderly with the Premier's Office, the disabled with the Premier's Office, um, a new project called the Possibility Banks um, with um, a volunteer, entrepreneurship, which um, we're going to work closely, hopefully, with um, another volunteer. And then we would love to bring also on a group that can work with us on drug and substance abuse. In terms of your question on volunteers, some come as guests the first time and don't come back because it has triggered something. Some come and fall totally in love with, with this because they realize it is, it's just the same as us. We live physically um, free in the world. We live in a world that is free but physically and in our hearts in, um, imprisoned. We have a group of uh, prisoners. We're working with a very specific group of leaders of this new generation that's physically imprisoned but free in their hearts and minds. So when they see the change work these um, group of men are doing, some of them totally say, how can I make a difference? There's a third group that say, I need to share something with you. This uh, family member of mine or that family member of mine has been in prison and I need your support because I've never told anybody about this to, to help us through to deal with that thing I've, I've had myself my whole long um, um, from others so that we can give back that I need to deal with that. And then I think it, yeah. three responses. Yeah. And then in terms of rehabilitation, do you have a specific group of prisoners who you choose to work with? Well, because it's a miracle um, that is happening here, and I truly want to say this is a miracle that is absolutely coming from God. With this, um, it's a group of nine leaders in prison, um, which is heading up the, the mad generation, which is doing the work. They are um, The one is serving 23 years, the one is serving 14 years, but they've decided to become difference makers, so we capacitate them to do this work in prison, and they've now got a membership in this specific prison of 60 members. Um, so we capacitate them with volunteers to do this work in prison so that they can grow their membership of difference makers in prison. Because what's happening is other people in other blocks say, wow, but something is happening in that block. There is some light to that, some change, these miracles happening there. So they ask themselves the question, so what must I do? to get into that block. So it's creating awareness, consciously or unconscious or subconsciously, but yes, we're working with um, a very specific group of um, leadership um, in, in prison. And do you have any examples of uh, maybe some prisoners that have gone through rehabilitation and have actually been reintegrated into society? Well, at this stage, there's six um, that was in this mad generation group that went out, and they are working now in the communities externally as part of the external mad generation structure. Now, another two of the nine we're working internally with is coming out in June, 
So what we're going to do with them is we're going to um, train them up in interview skills and give them a possibility back. And in a possibility back is typically a suit, a set of clothes, some taxi or transport money for, for a period, plus coaching and mentoring sessions to help them to reintegrate the after and then they go into the, the, the reintegration, the external group, which is at this stage six. Um, so we have two of them that's coming out in June. Um, so yes, we have an example of the six outside and we're working now on the next two. So we don't work on masses, but we change um, really one soul at a time by working with a very specific awakened um, surrendered group of young men that I said, you know, doesn't matter what I've done on a physical level, I am going to live my purpose by being a difference maker, by doing this work internally and externally, and to show the youth that we are not bad people. Yes, we have made mistakes, but we want to give back to society. And what's the response uh, uh, like from the, especially the community around Berksburg, seeing that you have some volunteers that do come from that area? What's their reaction like once you have uh, reintegrated uh, these uh, ex-prisoners back to society? To be honest, on that one, we haven't touched there yet. Um, we only got in this, uh, involved in this project in the last few months. So our main focus has been internal to, to establish the, the strength of that structure. So what is happening on the 4th of May, we are having a meeting from 8 to 1 to do the entire planning for the next 12 months, both the external structure and the internal structure. And on the 5th of May, Advocate George Bezos um, is going to go with us, plus three um, very senior people heading up the Fitz Legal University. So as the first group of volunteers, so one of the projects that will come from that um, um, session on the 4th of, of May is um, going to be that. So how do we take the external group but also create awareness and start building a monitoring and evaluation type of experience so that over 12 months we can write up a miracle story so that maybe if it's God's will, and I do believe it is, if you know the story how I got involved, is to, to go to, to um, 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 corporates or to go to the Minister of Correctional Services and say, you know, this is the change that is happening here. So we want to now pilot it in prison two or prison three or prison five. All right, Krista, thank you so much for your time. Now, for those that would love to help you out, that would love to be part of the volunteers, how can they reach you? Um, they can reach me, Krista Vinay. My cell phone number is 082-600-9553. And my email address is Krista, C-H-R-I-S-T-A, at thedifferencemakers.org. Thank you once again for your time. Is there anything else you'd like to add? We would absolutely love for anyone who wants to give um, back to whatever you feel comfortable with, whether this, uh, that is from um, a religious um, a type of, of giving back, whether it is from an entrepreneurial giving back, or any part of this project that may uh, touch your heart. Just contact or have a coffee with you and seeing what you feel safe with and comfortable with. 
will invite you maybe as a guest the first time just to feel if it's something you really would like to do. And um, this is not um, humanly um, manif manifested. It's truly coming from, from part of this project and we would appreciate any, any volunteer that want to give from their heart and time. Thank you. And that was the founder of The Difference Makers, Krista Bonnet, talking to us about her works at the Boxburg Prison. You've been listening to The Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email. It's Sheila at radioveritas.co.za. Until tomorrow at the same time, thank you so much for listening. God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirsch.